Shalom. My name is Adam, and I welcome you to the parable of the vineyard. Every day, Yahuwah is waking up a remnant, a group of people who are coming out of deceptions, realizing our walk is to consist of faith and obedience to His righteous commands. Each week, we read through and examine a portion of the Torah, allowing the Spirit of the Most High to guide, teach, and open our eyes and ears to the wondrous matters out of His law. Join us as we seek to be refined by His Word, preparing ourselves for the return of our King of Kings, being faithful and obedient, walking in His way, truth, and life. Shabbat Shalom and welcome back brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard YouTube live stream of our Torah portion reading. My name is Adam, your host, and I welcome you. This is week 37 and we're going to be covering Numbers 13.1 through the end of chapter 15. Lots to talk about. Uh, we're going to be talking about the spies in the land, the giants. Uh, we're going to be talking about faith, right? Will Yahusha find faith when he comes back? Uh, we're going to be talking about zitzit and lots of other stuff. So, I pray this will be a blessing for you. Uh, in case you're new, basically what we're doing is just reading through this Torah portion, and we're going to talk about it and just glean what we can for what's applicable for our lives today, uh, what's physically applicable, applicable, what's spiritually applicable, um, those type of things. So with that being said, let's pray, and then we'll blow a shofar, and we'll get started. Father Yahweh Most High, we just come before you in Yahusha's name, and thank you for allowing us to study together like this your word. Uh, which is a lamp to our feet. And Father, we just ask that you'd light up our lamps with understanding and wisdom, Father, and help us to apply it to our lives, uh, that we may be a your assembly. And we just thank you so much. And we say Shabbat Shalom to you. Thank you for giving us an amazing gift of rest. And thank you for giving us of your son, Yahusha. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, let's blow shofars together, and then we'll get started with Numbers 13. All right, here we are. Numbers 13, let's go. And Yahweh spoke unto Moshe, saying, Send you men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Yashrael, of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moshe, by the commandment of Yahuwah, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Yashrael. And these were their names of the tribe of Reuben, Shamua, the son of Zakur. Of the tribe of Shimon, Shaphat, the son of Horai. Of the tribe of Yehuda, Caleb, the son of Yefuneh. Of the tribe of Yisachar, Yigal, the son of Yosef. Of the tribe of Ephraim, Husha, the son of Nun. Of the tribe of Benjamin, Paltai, the son of Raphu. Of the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, the son of Chodai, Sodai. Of the tribe of Yosef, namely, of the tribe of Manasseh, Gadai, the son of Susai. Of the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of Gemalai, of the tribe of Asher, Sether, the son of Mikael, of the tribe of Naphtali, Nachbai, the son of Bophai, of the tribe of Gad, Geuel, the son of Machai. These are the names of the men which Moshe sent to spy out the land, and Moshe called Husha, the son of Nun, 
Yahusha. So Joshua's name originally wasn't Joshua or however we really we'd pronounce it in English. Uh, it was Husha. And I want to um, I want to also mention something here real quick. If we go back to we'll come back to Joshua's name in a second because I find it important. But uh, before that, I find it extremely interesting and important that we had the the head of the tribe of Judah was Caleb the son of Yephunneh. And we find out just who Caleb is through other scriptures. Here a little, there a little, precept on precept. Numbers 32, 12 says, Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite. So we get to see his family history. And Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed Yahuwah. So the, the point is, is Caleb was a Kenizzite. And just from the information that we have through the scriptures that we have, the only known Kenizzite that we can see in the scriptures uh, is a son of Esau. Genesis 36, 11, and the sons of Eliphaz, which Eliphaz was the firstborn of Esau, were Teman, Omar, Zepho, Gatam, and Kenaz. Genesis 36, 15, these are the dukes, the sons of Esau, the son of Eliphaz, the firstborn of Esau, Duke Teman, Duke Omar, Duke Zepho, and Duke Kenaz. And so what we see when we look at, uh, when we look at this, uh, Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, uh, even strong as would, would connect Kenizzite to a son of Kenaz. So from the information that we have, Caleb was an Edomite. And so I find it very interesting that we have an Edomite, not only, let's just say at minimum, was allowed to be part of Israel, but not only that, was made leader of the tribe of Judah. What's up with that? Numbers 15, 15 through 16. We're going to be reading this towards the end of the Torah portion this week. But it says, just a little snippet. It says, One ordinance shall be both for you of the congregation and also for the stranger that sojourns with you, an ordinance forever in your generations. As you are, he's talking to the natural branches, so shall the stranger be before Yahuwah. So really, he makes no distinction. One law and one manner shall be for you and for the stranger that sojourns with you. Leviticus 19.34 says, But the stranger that dwells with you shall be unto you as one born among you. No difference. And you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am Yahweh Elohim. Now, why am I making a point of this? Well, because there's teachings that are going along with this truth movement, truth coming back to Yah and his Torah and keeping the commandments and People are preaching that there's like this sort of elitism that natural branches are greater than grafted in, or some people even teach that there is no grafting in, that it's only that the the, the Bible, the scriptures are only for the natural branches. And then, of course, people argue whether, hey, was that white people? Was it black people? Was it red people? Uh, who was it? And I'm of the I'm of the the point where there there's got to be a truth somewhere. Um, I find it interesting. Uh, you know, my wife said this the other day. She's like. Uh, or who said it? someone said it the other day it was like what if what if israel was full of white people and full of black people and full of red people what if they really were a mixed multitude and so you got all these people arguing well no it's us no it's us what if it was like what if yah was just like sitting back just like are you, are you guys for real like after all this, after all I've showed you about the the the, fal the falsehoods of the world and coming out of the world and coming back to me and and this is this is what you guys want to argue about, like really, which which ethnicity is is the true seed? Which even um, uh, John the Baptist in Matthew three, he was like, "Don't say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father." Basically, saying, "I'm a I'm a natural born Jew or a natural born Israelite." He's like, "Y'all can make these stones over here, seed of Abraham." 
any case, so uh, Isaiah 56, 6 through 7 says, Also the sons of the stranger, so not natural born, that join themselves to Yahuwah to serve him and to love the name of Yahuwah, to be his servants, everyone that keeps the Shabbat from polluting it and taking hold of my covenant, even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Acts ten thirty four through 35 Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that Elohim is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that fears him and works righteousness is accepted with him. So there is no racism in Yahweh's kingdom. And I, if this information is true, again, the only information I have is that a Kenizzite was an Edomite. And so from that information... And Edomite was not only grafted into Judah, but was the leader of Judah. So just take that into consideration. Also, going back to Numbers 13, 16, it talked about, and Moshe called Husha, the son of Nun, Yahusha. So I want to look at that really quickly. And this is that word, Yahusha. And there's two different spellings for it. There's this one right here, which I believe says Yahusha, and then this is one that says Yahushua. Uh, well, Joshua was used, uh, this name was used 218 times. I have to go back and look, but I think 200, at least, I think 199 times or almost 200 times, the spelling for Joshua was this one right here. And only a few times, I think maybe two or three times, was this spelling used here. But yet, uh, a lot of people are going you know, straight for this one. So this was used most often which I believe says Yahusha, just makes sense to me. Um, we do have a playlist on uh, our YouTube page. If you go to playlists, um, and it's like four or five videos. It's about the name. And so if you want to do some further research why I think Yahusha is correct, uh, you can look that up. But if in case you're new, we don't make a huge deal out of the pronunciation. I think we're all recognizing that um, our Heavenly Father's name is not Heavenly Father or God or Lord or uh, any of these other titles. And and then I think we've also recognized that our Messiah's name, the reason I bring this up, uh, his name was never um, the, the the J word. I mean, the J wasn't even, you know, wasn't even invented until five, six hundred years ago. Um but, you know, there's different opinions. Is it Yeshua, Yahusha, Yahushua, Yehoshua? There's there's many different um, ones out there. And if you're just curious why I think Yahusha is, is correct, you can take a look at those videos. And if not, and if we just disagree, but we can still fellowship together, yes, praise you. Um, just to show you, like, here's an example of one of the uses of the word Joshua. Uh, and you'll see here, and you'll see it was this this rendering right here. Any case, so he was renamed. So it was his name was just salvation, but then his name was changed to Yah is salvation. It's also one of the reads reasons why this just makes sense to me. Yah is salvation. You have Husha and you have Yahusha. So, all right, moving on. Numbers thirteen seventeen says, and Moshe sent them out to spy the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain. And see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad. And what cities they be that dwell in, whether tents or strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. 
Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes, which is late summer, early fall. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehov, as men come to Hamath. And they ascended by the Negev and came into Hebron, where Achiman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the children of Anak, were. This is the Anakim. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Mitzrayim. And they came to the brook Eshkol and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bore it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. Now I want to pause it real quickly. Uh, most most uh, images will render this as like a massive cluster of grapes to where they had to like tie it to a, a stick basically, and two men had to carry it. That's how heavy it was. I, I agree. I, I think that's what this is saying here. And to me, that makes sense. I was, uh, my, my wife and I were talking about the Torah portion last night and, um, she had a good point. She was saying that, you know, perhaps, perhaps, especially with like the lower populations there, uh, stuff was able to kind of just grow wild. Uh, I guess the, she was telling me there was reports of, you know, when like tomatoes were able to just keep growing and growing and growing and that they just got bigger and bigger. Maybe that's the case. Um, the other, the other possibility is that, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the giants there, these children of Anak. It's also possible that there was some manipulation there. I'm not sure. Either way, this was looked at as a good thing. So, you know, the latter interpretation, you know, if this was like some genetically modified massive grape, I don't think would be the case because I don't think it would have been celebrated. I think it would have been looked at as an abomination. Like, this is not real. This is fake, you know. Anyways, uh, I think just... Obviously, the fruit of the land was amazing. And they're like, whoa. The place was called Nachal Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes, which the children of Yashral cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And almost any time we see 40 days, it's a time of testing. They were being tested. And they went and came to El Moshe and to El Ahron and to all the assembly of the children of Yashrael unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came into the land where you sent us and surely it flows with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekim dwell in the land of the Negev, and the Chetim and the Yebusim and the Emorim dwell in the mountains, and the Cananim dwell by the sea, and by the coasts of the Yardan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moshe and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. I mean, pause there real quickly, because here's really the two ways of, of thinking of things. Of course, it's easy for us to be like, what are they scared of? They got Yah with them. But remember, these are real people with real scenarios. And, you know, before you get on their case too much, um, they saw probably, what, 80, 100-foot giants, which we'll talk about in a second. And, you know, their faith was tested. And some people, their their faith was, was proved... Uh, well, faithless. But Joshua and Caleb, you know, are like, what? What are you guys worried about? This is Yahuwah. They didn't say this, but I can only imagine. Like, if, if I was speaking, I'd be like, didn't you see what he did in Egypt for us? How, I mean, look at the miracles he did. Like, everybody, 
the whole Egypt was dark for three days, but we had light and all their stuff. All the cattle died, but ours didn't. And all the hail destroyed them, but didn't touch us. And all these swarms, you know, but didn't touch us. And then we went through the Red Sea and like it closed up on Pharaoh's army and he protected us. And <laughs> you kidding me? Like, what do we have to worry about? So that's what Caleb was operating from that of faith. Like, hey, come on. But the men that went up with him said, we, we be not able to go up against the people. Mm -mm. For they are stronger than we. So these are faith. They're faithless. And I can understand. I mean, I don't know. What would you and I be like if we saw like an 80 foot giant or let's say 30 foot giant, whatever it was, whatever they were. It's, and we'll see that much later that they were as tall as cedars, which cedars, if you go look up how tall a cedar can be. Anyways. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which by, which, by the way, the word here, evil report, is the same word for slander. They brought up a slander of their land. So they basically, they lied. They brought up a, 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 a false report of the land, which they searched under the children of Yashrael, saying the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, which come of the Nephilim. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So I want to talk about a couple of things. Of course, um, this is this is just a big test. And two out of the twelve passed, and ten failed. Sirach two, ten through fourteen. In case you're new, so the book of Sirach is also known as Ecclesiasticus. Uh, this is part of the uh, 1611 KJV Apocrypha, um, the Greek Septuagint, and many other prominent Bibles. It says this, Consider the ancient generations and see whoever trusted in, uh, in Yahuwah and was put to shame, or whoever persevered in the fear of Yahuwah and was forsaken. And we know, I mean, this is the story of Joshua and Caleb is, is a perfect example. We'll find out a little bit later that the other ten men who brought a slander upon the, the land, they all died. But Caleb and Joshua, they were saved. Not only that, they were the only two out of the old generation that was able to go into the land. Why? Because they trusted in Yahuwah. Or whoever called upon him was, was overlooked. For Yahweh is compassionate and merciful. He forgives sins and saves in time of affliction. Now here, this is this is the, the, the wicked spies here. They had timid hearts. Woe to timid hearts and slack hands. And the sinner who walks along two ways. Woe to the faint heart, for it has no trust. Therefore, it will not be sheltered. And that's exactly what happened to these ten spies that were um, had no faith. Woe to you who have lost your endurance. What will you do when Yahuwah punishes you? And back in verse 29, so what was keeping them from going into the land were the people of great stature, the people of, um, you know, I, I believe these were literal giants, but these are people that ruled that land and they were afraid of them. So, you know, I ask us, what's what's keeping us today from what he's told us to do? Because he told us in Matthew 28, 18, and Yahushua came and spake to them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go. Therefore, this, isn't, this doesn't seem optional. He's saying, go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Ruach HaKodesh, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So what's keeping us from doing this stuff? Matthew 9, 37-38. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. 
Pray ye therefore that the master of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. We're looking for laborers. Praise be to Yahuwah. Are you a laborer in the field? We need you. Join the, join the cause. Matthew 25, 14 through 30, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received five talents went and traded this with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise he that has received two, he also gained two other. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants came and reckoned with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Master, you delivered unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His master said unto him, Well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your master. He also that had received two talents came and said, Master, you delivered unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter you into the joy of your master. Then he which had received one talent came and said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the earth. And lo, here is yours. Here is, here is yours. His master answered and said to him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. You ought therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and that at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which has ten talents. For unto every one that has shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that has not shall be taken away even that which he has. And cast you the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why am I bringing this up? Well, because I'm asking what's stopping you? What's stopping you from doing what Yahweh called you to do? He, Yahweh called these spies to go in the land and to give a good report. And so they'd go in and take the land. Well, these, uh, the, these ten, what stood in their way was fear. And so there's many things that can stop us from what Yahweh has called us to do. So this the ball's in your court. Has Yahuwah asked you to do something? Are you currently doing it? You may be and be like, Adam, I'm good. I'm walking in what Yahuwah has called me to do. Hallelujah. Only you can evaluate that. So just for consideration. Okay, so also let's talk about giants. It says then there were the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, which come of the Nephilim. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, so we were in their side. Think about how, think about the size of a grasshopper and think of that relation. Let's look at uh, some of the things. Genesis 6, 1 through 4. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of Elohim saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. And Yahweh said, My spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of Elohim came into the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. So, what this is saying is exactly what it says. And this sons of Elohim term, uh, terminology, Benai Elohim, is the same exact term we see in Job 1, where the sons of Elohim presented themselves before Yahweh in heaven, and then also Satan came and presented himself before. Uh, also, Amos 2.9 says, Yet 
I destroyed the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of cedars. And he was strong as the oaks, yet I destroyed his fruit from above and his roots from beneath. So in the book of Amos, it tells us that these giants were as tall as the cedars. First Samuel 17.4, And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, depending on what uh, what conversion you look at that. It can be anywhere from nine foot to, I think, 11 or 12 foot tall. And, and it was what we see that the giants got smaller as time went on. Why? Because that angel DNA, DNA kept uh, decreasing. Uh, and uh, and so that's why I think the, the, the height, the stature went down. So I'm going to read Enoch 6. And it came to pass when the children of men had multiplied, that in those days were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters. And the angels, the children of heaven, saw and lusted after them, and said to one another, Come, let us choose wives from among the children of men, and beget us children. And Semyaza, who was their leader, said unto them, I fear you will not indeed agree to do this deed, and I alone shall have to pay the penalty of a great sin. And they all answered him and said, Let us all swear an oath, and all bind ourselves by mutual imprecations not to abandon this plan, but to do this thing. Then swear they all together and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And they were in all two hundred who descended in the days of Jared, and in the days of Jared on the summit of Mount Hermon. They called it Mount Hermon because they had sworn and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And these are the names of their leaders. Semyazaz, their leader. Eh, we don't need to talk about all their names. Um, there's one other thing I want to talk about. Um, and it says here, And they began to sin against birds and beasts and reptiles and fish, and to devour other one's flesh, and to drink the blood. So they also messed with the DNA of all the animals there. Uh, let's see. I want to talk about, here we go. This is Enoch. What is this? Uh, Enoch nine. We'll see the, uh, origination of demons and the women have borne giants and the whole earth has thereby been filled with blood and unrighteousness, uh, unrighteousness. And now behold the soul. That's not what I want to read. No, that's not what I want to read. Where is this? I'm sorry. Basically, it says that the uh, the demonic spirits came from the disembodied of the the disembodied uh, bodies of the giants. Let's see here. No, maybe it's chapter 15. Maybe this is what I was looking for the whole time. Here we go. He's talking, uh, talking to the angels. Wherefore have you left the high, holy, and eternal heaven, and lain with women, and defiled, defiled yourselves with the daughters of men, and taken to yourselves wives, and done like the children of earth, and begotten giants as your sons? Ooh. Here we go. Verse 8, And now the giants who are produced from the spirits and flesh shall be called evil spirits upon the earth, and on the earth shall be their dwelling. Evil spirits have proceeded from their bodies because they are born from men. And from their holy watchers is their beginning and primal origin. They shall be evil spirits on the earth, and evil spirits shall they be called. 
As for the spirits of heaven, in heaven shall be their dwelling. But as for the spirits of the earth, which were born upon the earth, on earth shall be their dwelling. And the spirits of the giants afflict, oppress, destroy, attack, do battle, and work destruction on the earth, and cause trouble. They take no food, but nevertheless hunger, and thirst, and cause offenses. And these spirits shall rise up against the children of men and against the women, because they have proceeded from them. Sorry about that delay there. I couldn't remember what chapter that was in. But anyways, just wanted to show you, because uh, this is not taught widely about angels coming down, mating with giant, or mating with uh, women, creating these giants. The giants die, and these evil spirits are left wandering here on the earth. That's the origin of those things. So what is what can we learn from Numbers 13? Like, Torah is not just... Torah is not just... You know, do this, don't do that, keep Shabbat, uh, you know, d d eat this, don't eat that. Torah is also when the Most High calls you to do something, you do it. And we can't let fear or any outside influences keep us from doing what he's called us to do. Because if he's called us to do something and we know it and we're not doing it, that's sin. All right. So Numbers 14. And all the assembly lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Pause. Think about this. You've got millions of people, two, three, four, five million people. Let's just call it two million people. And you know how you know how the stuff spreads. And so you've got these ten. These are chief leaders. They have, I'm sure they're, they're people in, in high position and influence. And they tell some people, and those people tell other people. And so the whole... Two million people are like, oh, what do we come out here for? Just to die in the wilderness and these giants are going to eat us. So this is, this is, I mean, can you imagine what that sounded like? Millions of people like weeping and crying and boohooing and murmuring. And all the children of Yashal murmured against Moshe and against Aharon. And the whole assembly said unto them, Would to Elohim that we had died in the land of Mitzrayim. Or would to Elohim that we had died in this wilderness. One thing I learned about Yas people is they're so ready and quick to turn on <laughs> on, on to, 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 yeah to turn on like Yas leadership like Moses think about Moses um, think about all that he did for them all these people are here and they just want to kill him and think about David David was like he was like the renowned giant slayer of of Israel and he was the great general and great commander then the great king and it's like Absalom comes in and you know, like everyone's like, yeah, let's follow Absalom. This guy, let's let's go kill David. Like, what is wrong? It's not funny. And wherefore has Yahuwah brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our women and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Mitzrayim? Can you imagine, like, all that Yahuwah did and then beat these people saying that? And they said to one to another, let's make a captain and let us return into Mitzrayim. So now they're getting into sedition uh, and mutiny just complaining is straight up complaining and you know obviously this is something for us to look at uh has yahweh done so much for us and are we just a bunch of complainers we read this last week this two ezra's passage talking about how all these things that yahweh did right i gave you camps for your protection and in them you complained you have not exulted in my name at the destruction of your enemies but to this day you still complain where are the benefits which I bestowed on you? When you were hungry and thirsty in the wilderness, did you not cry out to me, saying, Why have you led us into this wilderness to kill us? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. 
I pitied your groanings and gave you manna for food. You ate the bread of angels. When you were thirsty, did I not cleave the rock so that waters flowed in abundance? Because of the heat, I covered you with leaves of trees. I divided fertile lands among you. I drove out the Canaanites, the Perizzites, and the Philistines before you. What more can I do for you, says Yahuwah? Thus says El Shaddai, when you were in the wilderness of the bitter stream, thirsty and blaspheming my name, I did not send fire upon you for your blasphemies, but threw a tree into the water and made the stream sweet. This was, uh, by the way, this is 2 Ezra chapter 1. Anyways, uh, so something to think about. Do we whine and complain? First Peter, First Peter 1, 3 through 7. Blessed be the Elohim and Father of our Master, Yahushua HaMashiach, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Yahushua HaMashiach from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of Elohim through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which perishes, though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Yahushua HaMashiach. So, we're supposed to learn from the lessons of the people before us. And really, it just takes a changing your mind that when trials come upon you, like, yes, this is an opportunity to get rid of stuff that Yah doesn't want in my life and to grow closer to Him. Easier said than done, but with patience and with steadfastness, this can be accomplished. James 1, 2-4. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. James says to change your mind about things Psalm thirty-four, nineteen: The afflictions of the righteous are many, but Yahweh rescues him from them all. Acts fourteen, nineteen through twenty-three: But Yahudim came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, thinking that he was dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. The next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby, and after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made a good number of disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying, It is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of Elohim. Just like that, this generation that we're reading about in the wilderness, Numbers, they had to endure these tribulations to enter, but most of them failed. They didn't rise up to the occasion. When they had appointed elders for them in every uh, assembly, having prayed with fasting, they entrusted to them the master in whom they had believed. Hallelujah. So, don't get so distraught when the testing comes. The testing is to prove you, to make sure you're his. And that should be a good thing. We should all want, want the test and pass the test. <laughs> then Moshe and Aharon fell on their faces before all the assembly of the multitude of the children of Yashrael. And I love this because... The people are wanting to kill them for just doing good to them. And, you know, they could be like, well, you all are crazy. We're we're here protecting you and we're petitioning for you. And you don't even understand. You wouldn't even be alive if it wasn't for. They just fell on their faces. And Yahushua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Yephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spoke unto all the company of the children of Yashrael, saying, the land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. 
If Yahweh delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel you not against Yahuwah, neither fear you the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and Yahuwah is with us, fear them not. This is what faith looks like in action. Verses, well, faithlessness. How awesome. How about for us? What's stopping us? Why do we have to fear the NWO, the B system, whatever? If Yahuwah delights in us, he's going to protect us. He's going to deliver us. And if he doesn't, it's like um, Hananiah, uh, Azariah, and Mishael. They're like, listen, king, oh, great, great king, we're not going to bow down before this image. And our Elohim has the power to save us. But even if he doesn't, be it known that we will not bow down to your statues. That's faith. It's like the difference also in the book of Yashar. I think it's chapters 9 through 12. You have the story of Abraham uh, in Nimrod's kingdom. And Nimrod was uh, getting ready to throw Abram in the fire. And his brother Haran, Abraham's brother Haran, was in the mix. And it said that Haran said within himself, he was double-minded. If he said, well, if Abraham prevails, then I'm going to serve Yahuwah. But if Abraham but if uh, King Nimrod prevails, then I'll serve, I'll serve King Nimrod's idols. So he was like one foot in, one foot out. He was like, I see I see how how Abraham believes in this, this Elohim, but not too sure. Well, the story goes that Abraham was delivered, of course, and Haran was burnt to ashes. Numbers 14.10, but all the assembly bade stone them with stones. They're like, no, we want to kill Moses and Aaron. And the glory of Yahuwah appeared in the tabernacle of the assembly before all the children of Yashrael. And Yahuwah said unto Moshe, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be before they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them. And I want to pause there real quickly because I just want to, um, I want to contrast the ancient generation and this generation right here. To Esdras 1, this is kind of continuing from that passage we read just a little while ago. He's talking to these wicked people. I will give your houses to a people that will come who without having heard me will believe. Those to whom I have showed no signs will do what I have commanded. They have seen no prophets, yet will recall their former state. This is called repentance. I call to witness the gratitude of the people that is to come whose children rejoice with gladness. Though they do not see me with bodily eyes, yet with the spirit they will believe the things I have said. And that's why I believe it's very blessed to be in this generation. Now, we're, we, you know, while there's, I'm sure Yahuwah, uh, there's prophets out there that Yahuwah gives dreams to and visions and those. We don't have Jeremiah's and Isaiah's and Malachi's and uh, Zephaniah's running around right now, at least to my understanding. If that's different, then may Yah show me. Um, but we're also not having these massive miraculous signs. Now, don't get me wrong. Has Yahweh done things for all of us, miracles for all of us, which are like signs? Yeah. But all these massive, sorry, massive outward signs that they're seeing, like the Red Sea parted. I don't know about you. I, I, we haven't seen that kind of stuff. Well, take that back. Sukkot 2021, when he parted that storm for us, that's a whole different story. Anyways, wanted to give him glory on that because he did show himself outwardly like that. But hopefully you're understanding what I'm saying. Like, contrast that ancient generation with this generation right here. With all that's going on in the world, there's so many reasons for people to not walk in the way. And obviously it's working because most of the world doesn't walk in the way. But yet, his ruach is reaching some people, grabbing them out of the world and saying, Hey, take hold of my covenant, hearken to my voice, and you will live. And people are like, 
Yeah, I agree. And you know what? Your son who came, he pretty much preached the same message. So that makes sense to me. Hallelujah. Numbers 14, 12, I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of you a greater nation and mightier than they. And so this is Yah speaking to Moses, and he's like, listen, just me and you, Moses, we're going to start over. I'm going to kill them all, and I'm going to make of you, Moses, a great nation. So tempting Moses to basically become the new Abraham, right? Because Abraham was the father of all, but if you killed them all and wiped them all clean, then Moses would be. And so Mo this is a challenge for Moses. Moses could have been like, yeah, you know what? You know what, boss? You're right. Like, they they want to kill me and Aaron for no reason, and they hate you, and they don't appreciate anything you do. Uh, these are spoiled brats. Um, they're wicked, and I hate them. Let's start over. He could have done that, but he didn't, right? What does he do? And this is why Yah chose Moses, because he was a humble man, and because Moses actually loved the people. And that's where loving even your enemies, and that's a precept that Messiah is trying to teach us. Moses already had that. These people were positioning themselves as Moshe's enemy. And he's like, you have every right to die right now, but I love you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to intercede for you, even though you don't even deserve it right now. I'm going to show you how much I love you. He doesn't, he's not saying that outwardly, but in his mind, in his heart, he's like, I love you. I'm going to petition, petition for these people. And Moshe said to El Yahuwah, then the Mitzrayim shall hear it. For you brought up the people in your might from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. For they have heard that you, Yahuwah, are among his, this people that you, Yahuwah, are seen face to, a, face to face, and that your cloud stands over them, and that you go before them by daytime in a pillar of cloud and in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you shall kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of you will speak, because Yahuwah was not able to bring this people into the land which he swore unto them. Therefore he has slain them in the wilderness. So Yah uh, Moses is like, I'm worried about your reputation, Yahuwah. And now, I beseech you, let the power of my master be great, according as you have spoken, saying, Yahuwah is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. So, um, as I've said before, a lot of times you see this these prayers that are answered by Yah immediately. You see these great patriarchs quoting Yahuwah's word, quoting scripture as part of the, hey, the promise of deliverance. So he's petitioning Yah, hey, you said you were long-suffering and of great mercy. Have mercy on these people. So he was quoting this passage right here in Exodus 34, 6 through 7. And the and Yahuwah passed before him and proclaimed Yahuwah, Yahuwah Elohim, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. So literally Moses just quoted Exodus 34. Probably wasn't called Exodus 34, uh, 4 through 7, or 6 through 7 at that point. But nevertheless, he, he recalled Yah's own words. Hey, you said this. So, yeah, right, he says, he's like, let the power of my Adonai be great according as you have spoken, saying, quoting, and now he's asking for a verdict, pardon, or a, 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 a move of the judge to pardon, to just pardon, I beseech you. So this is acting like if it was in a courthouse. Pardon, I beseech you, the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your mercy. And as you have forgiven this people from Mitzrayim, even until now. We see Yahweh can be reasoned with because here's his answer. And Yahweh said, I have pardoned according to your word. Moses brought remembrance before Yahweh. Not that Yahweh forgot that he is long-suffering and merciful and, 
you know, he didn't want to destroy the people. Right? And Moshe is interceding. And may Yahusha, our great high priest and king, intercede for us. So Yahweh's like, all right, I've pardoned according to your word, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of Yahuwah. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Mitzrayim and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. So forgiveness, but there's still punishment. It's interesting, the ten tests, because in the book of Jubilees it says that Abraham was tested ten times and passed every time. And we know the Messiah said, if you were the Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. So we don't test and we don't provoke the Most High. It also says here that as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of Yahweh. We get a snippet of that here in Revelation 18. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not her plagues. So all the earth, all the kings of the, the nations have followed uh, the indecent behavior of um, the original woman that was married to the Most High, which is Jerusalem. Jerusalem... Uh, showed the world how to be joined unto Yahuwah, but also to have their foot with the world and paganism and uh, Baal worship and Moloch worship. And, well, that's kind of really, its tentacles have permeated into almost every religion, either whether it's just completely false religion or even close to the truth, trying to serve Yahuwah and believing in his son, but keeping commandments of men, keeping festivals of pagan deities, so he says, come out of her. Deuteronomy 31 through 5, and it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you. And he shall call them to mind among all the nations where Yahweh Elohim has driven you and shall return unto Yahweh Elohim and shall obey his voice according to all that I command you this day. So we know obeying his voice is keeping the commandments and you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul that then Yahweh will return your captivity and have compassion upon you and will return and gather you from all the nations where Yahweh your Elohim has scattered you. If any of yours be driven out to the outmost parts of heaven, from there will Yahweh your Elohim gather you, and from thence will he fetch you. And Yahweh your Elohim will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it, and he will do you good and multiply you above your fathers. So the same promise that was given to this ancient generation, which was just keep my commandments and you'll enter into the land, which we know that none of them of the older generation made it except for Joshua and Caleb. They fully followed Yah. The other ones, they were fearful. They were, they were murmurers, complainers, whisperers. They didn't keep his commandments. They missed it. And so this promise, this same promise is available to us. And this is so prophetic saying that, hey, when you're scattered across the four corners of the earth and when you start coming back to the Torah, you and your children with all of your heart, soul, and mind, the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to gather you and bring you into the land. It's the same promise. Hallelujah. 
<clears throat> so uh, let's keep going. So back to Numbers 14, uh, verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he had another ruach with him and has followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went to possess it, and his seed shall possess it. Now, the, now think about this. He's basically saying this uh, grafted-in branch is going to make it, but you, natural branches, aren't going to make it. Now the Amalekim and the Kenanim dwelt in the valley. Tomorrow turn you and get you into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And Yahweh spoke unto El Moshe and unto El Ahron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil assembly which murmurs against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Yashrael which they murmur against me. And remember, the murmuring was like, Oh, he brought us out here just to kill us in the wilderness. Saying to them, As truly as I live, says Yahuwah, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. That is powerful. I don't know why I've never put down notes for this little passage here before. This is just one of those things where you can read it however many times, and then the whatever time, Yahuwah's like, check this out. Literally, he's like, they spoke that into an existence. They spoke, he brought us out here just to kill us. And because of their evil heart and their evil intentions and, the, and, and their disobedience, he's like, I'll give you what you asked for or what you spoke. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me. So I, what I'm saying here is what can we really glean from here? We need to watch what we say. Words have power. What if we're, what if we're in, a, in a tough spot and we say something like, yeah, you know, yeah, I was just, yeah, just going to give up on me. He hates me and blah, 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 whatever. Like, uh, no, none of that. None of that. Doubtless, you shall not come into the land concerning which I swore to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Yephunneh, and Yahusha, the son of Nun. But your little ones, which you said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness. And your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness." So even the children had to, they had to bear this, this, the transgressions of the parents. Now we know that, that each person lives or dies according to their own righteousness or unrighteousness. We learn about that in Ezekiel 18. But in the book of Nazarene, it, 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 uh, I don't have the reference right now, but Messiah says that children suffer from the parents' decisions. And he gave an example, like if, if a man decided to steal and he got caught and he's thrown into prison and... Um, you know, him and his uh, and his wife and children sold into bondage until the debt was repaid. Well, didn't the children suffer because of the of the father's decision? Well, yeah, of course. And there's many other examples, of course. And that's what he's talking about. Numbers 13, 14, 34. After the number of the days which you searched the land, even 40 days, each day for a year shall you bear your iniquities, even 40 years, and ye shall know my bre breach of promise. I, Yahweh, have said, I will surely do it unto all this evil assembly that are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be consumed, and there shall they die. In a very similar way, brothers and sisters, we are in the wilderness right now. Messiah saved us. The Lamb, the blood of the Lamb saved us, brought us out of the spiritual bondage of sin. And now we're being tested, being tested until we are able to enter the promised land. Psalm 23, 24, 3 through 5. Who shall ascend into the hill of Yahuwah? 
basically New Jerusalem, who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessings from Yahuwah and righteousness from the Elohim of his salvation. Second Samuel twenty two twenty one. Yahuwah rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, has he repaid me. Psalm eighteen twenty. Yahuwah rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, has he repaid me. Isaiah 26, 1-2, In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will Elohim appoint for walls and for bulwarks. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keeps the truth, the Torah, may enter in. Psalm 119, 142, Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your Torah is the truth. Open the gates that the righteous nation which keeps the truth may enter in. Hallelujah. Let's keep going. Numbers fourteen thirty six. And the men which Moshe, <clears throat> which Moshe sent to search the land, who returned and made all the assembly to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land, even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before Yahuwah. But Yahusha the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Yefuna, which were of the men that went to search the land, lived still. So this is a great example for us. First Corinthians ten one through thirteen tells us that all these things that happened in the wilderness were for our admonition, or for our our example, or for our growth. And so, who knows what's ahead of us? Maybe you have trials right now that are like testing your faith. Are you for real? Do you have faith? Is you know is, is Yahweh asking you? Do you have faith in me? Or do you trust me? Or do you not? Do you have any faith at all? Will Yahushua come back and find faith on this earth at all? And Moshe told these sayings unto all the children of Yashrael, and the people mourned greatly. And they rose up early in the morning and got them up into the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we be here, and will go up into the place which Yahuwah has promised, for we have sinned. And Moshe said, Wherefore now do you transgress the commandment of Yahuwah? But it shall not prosper. Go not up, for Yahuwah is not among you that ye be not smitten before your enemies. For the Amalekim and the Kenanim are there before you, and ye shall fall by the sword, because you are turned away from Yahuwah. Therefore Yahuwah will not be with you. But they presumed to go up into the top of the hill. Nevertheless, the Ark of the Covenant of Yahuwah and Moshe departed not out of the camp. Then the Amalekim came down, and the Kenanim, which dwelt in that hill, and smote them, and discomfited them, even unto Hormah. So it was too late. It was too late. The time was up. It's over. And there's going to be a time in the future where it's like Yahweh's mercy is for is is long, he's long suffering, but one day that's going to be up. Uh, I want a little snippet here in the book of Jasher Yashar. Uh, this is the flood scene, and uh, Noah preached for 120 years. Noah and Methuselah preached for 120 years, and then now finally the rains came. And listen, this is Jasher 6 11 through 23, and on that day. Yahweh caused the whole earth to shake, and the sun darkened, and the foundations of the world raged. The whole earth was moved violently, and the lightning flashed, and the thunder roared, and all the fountains in the earth were broken up, such as was not known to the inhabitants before. And Elohim did this mighty act in order to terrify the sons of men, that there might be no more evil upon the earth. He's like, one last chance. I must try just please turn to me. And still the sons of men would not return from their evil ways, and they increased the anger of Yahweh that time, and did not even direct their hearts to all this. And at the end of seven days, in the six hundredth year of the life of Noah, the waters of the flood were upon the earth, and all the fountains of the deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And Noah and his household and all the living creatures that were with him 
came into the ark on account of the waters of the flood, and Yahweh shut them in. And all the sons of men that were left upon the earth became exhausted through evil on account of the rain. For the waters were coming more violently upon the earth, and the animals and beasts were still surrounding the ark. And the sons of men assembled together about 700,000 men and women, and they came unto Noah to the ark. And they called unto Noah, saying, Open for us that we may come to you into the ark, and wherefore shall we die? And Noah with a loud voice answered them from the ark, saying, Have ye not all rebelled against Yahuwah, and said that he does not exist? And therefore Yahuwah brought upon you this evil to destroy you and cut you off from the face of the earth. Is not this the thing that I spoke to you of 120 years back, and you would not hearken to the voice of Yahuwah, and now do you desire to live upon the earth? And they said to Noah, We are ready to return to, the, to Yahuwah, only open for us that we may live and not die. And Noah answered them, saying, Behold, now that you see the trouble of your souls, you wish to return to Yahuwah. Why did you not return during these 120 years, which Yahuwah granted you as the determined period? But now you come and tell me this on account of the troubles of your souls. Now also Yahuwah will not listen to you, neither will he give ear to you on this day, so that you will not now succeed in your wishes. Enoch 60. In the year 500, in the seventh month, on the 14th day of the month of the life of Enoch, it's supposed to be Noah. In that parable, I saw how a mighty quaking made the heaven of heavens to quake, and the host of the Most High, and the angels a thousand thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand were disquieted with a great disquiet. This is his massive army. And the head of days sat on the throne of his glory, and the angels and the righteous stood around him. And great trembling seized me, and fear took hold of me, and my loins gave way, and dissolved were my reins, and I fell upon my face. And Michael sent another angel from among the holy ones, and he raised me up. And when he had raised me up, my spirit returned, for I had not been able to endure the look of this host or the look of this army and the commotion and the quaking of the heaven. And Michael said unto me, Why are you disquieted with such a vision? Until this day lasted the day of his mercy, and he has been merciful and long-suffering towards those who would dwell on the earth. And when the day and the power and the punishment and the judgment come, which Yahweh Sabot has prepared for those who worship not the righteous law, Torah, and for those who deny the righteous judgment and for those who take his name in vain, that day is prepared for the elect, a covenant, but for sinners, an inquisition. Enoch 63. In those days shall the mighty and the kings who possess the earth implore him to grant them a little respite, a little rest from his angels of punishment whom they were delivered, that they might fall down and worship before Yahweh Sabaoth and confess their sins before him. And they shall bless and glorify Yahweh Sabaoth and say, Blessed is Yahweh Sabaoth and the master of kings and the master of the mighty and the master of the rich and of glory and of wisdom. Anyways, they keep petitioning them. They're like, oh, you're so great and we love you and all this stuff. You know, yeah, we're, we made a mistake. Our hope was in the scepter of her kingdom. And in the day of our suffering and tribulation, he saves us not. Uh, and, and so all this whining, or not all this like petitioning. To, these are all the kings. These are the Rothschilds and the Bill Gates and uh, whoever is being like, oh, we, we believe you now. You're, you're righteous and we're wicked. And uh, all the probably all the things that you want to hear repentance. And after that, their faces shall be filled with darkness and shame before that son of man, and they shall be driven from his presence, and the sword shall abide before his face in their midst. Thus spake Yahweh Sabaoth, this is the ordinance and judgment with respect to the mighty and the kings and the exalted who possess the earth before Yahweh Sabaoth. The time was up. The time for repentance was up, and it's too late. It's just too late. So there will come a time where it's just, it's too late. 
It's over. All right, chapter 15. Last chapter. And Yahweh spoke unto El Moshe, saying, Speak unto the children of Yashrael, and say unto them, When you are come into the land of your habitations, which I give unto you, and will make an offering by fire unto Yahuwah, a burnt offering, or a sacrifice in performing a vow, or in a freewill offering, or in your solemn feasts, to make a sweet savor unto Yahuwah, of the herd or of the flock, then shall he that offers his offering unto Yahuwah bring a meat offering of a tenth deal of, of flour mingled with the fourth part of a hen of oil. And the fourth part of a hen of wine for a drink offering shall you prepare with a burnt offering or sacrifice for one lamb. Or for a ram you shall prepare for a meat offering two tenth deals of flour mingled with a third part of a hen of oil. And for a drink offering you shall offer the third part of a hen of wine for a sweet savor unto Yahuwah. And when you prepare a bullock for a burnt offering, or for a sacrifice in performing a vow, or peace offerings unto Yahuwah, then shall he bring with a bullock a meat offering of three tenth deals of flour mingled with a half a hen of oil. And you shall bring for a drink offering a half hen of wine for an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto Yahuwah. Thus it shall be done for one bullock, or for one ram, or for a lamb or a kid, according to the number that you shall prepare, so shall you do to everyone according to their number. All that are born of the country shall do these things after this manner, an offering an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto Yahuwah. And by the way, obviously we know now that our our prayers, our offerings, our repentance is brought before him and our Messiah Yahusha is the one that offers it before, the, before our Father. And if a stranger sojourn with you, or whosoever be among you in your generations, and will offer an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto Yahuwah, as you do, so he shall do. One ordinance shall be both for you of the assembly, and also for the stranger that sojourns with you, an ordinance forever in your generations. As you are, so shall the stranger be before Yahuwah. One Torah and one manner of law shall be for you, and for the stranger that sojourns for you. So this is just a very ancient precept that shows us there is no... And the reason I bring this up is because in modern-day Christian theology is the law was for the Jews, and the Gentiles aren't under the law. They're just under the four precepts uh, marked out in Acts uh, chapter 15, which I believe is completely incorrect because Yah is not partial. He's not going to deal... Uh, he's not going to have a, a rules for one people, but this other group um, have really... No rules except for these four rules, which is like uh, no fornication, nothing strangled blood, uh, no meat sacrificed to idols, and um, drinking blood. I don't know. I can't remember those four, those four off the top of my head, but something like that, which is obviously not the case. One law, right? One Torah, one law, and one manner of law shall be for you and for the stranger that sojourns with you. So the natural branch and the grafted in branch has the same law, right? No, there's no racism in Yahuwah's. There's no partiality. There's no racism in, in Yahuwah's kingdom. Revelation 7, 9. These are the people. These are the people who are going to be standing before the throne. And after this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. There's going to be light-skinned, dark-skinned, uh, and everything in between are going to be in his throne room scene. And I don't know about you, but I want to be there. Numbers 15, 17. And Yahuwah spoke unto Moshe, saying, Speak unto the children of Yashrael, and say unto them, When you come into the land where I bring you, then it shall be that when you eat of the bread of the land, you shall offer up a heave offering unto Yahuwah. You shall offer up a cake of the first of your dough for a heave offering. 
As you do the heave offering of the threshing floor, so shall you heave it. Of the first of your dough, you shall give it unto Yahuwah, a heave offering in your generations. And if you have erred and not observed all these commandments which Yahuwah has spoken unto Moshe, even all that Yahuwah has commanded you by the hand of Moshe, from the day that Yahuwah commanded Moshe and henceforward among your generations, then it shall be, if aught be committed by ignorance without the knowledge of the assembly, that all the assembly shall offer one young bullock for a burnt offering, for a sweet savor unto Yahuwah, with his meat offering and his drink offering according to the manner, and one kid of the goats for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for all the assembly of the children of Yashrael, and it shall be forgiven them. It is, it is, for it is ignorance. And they shall bring their sin offering, I'm sorry, and they shall bring their offering, a sacrifice made by fire unto Yahuwah, and their sin offering before Yahuwah for their ignorance. And it shall be forgiven all the assembly of the children of Yashrael, and the stranger that sojourns among them, seeing all the people were in ignorance. And just want to make a little note here. So it, it, the, the Torah says that the these animals can offer forgiveness of sins. But the book of Hebrews says the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. So sure, it can be forgiven, and that's the that was, was instituted, but it never took away the sinful heart and the sinful mind, and that's what I believe the difference of the blood of Messiah, what he does and what he offers us. And if any soul sin through ignorance, then he shall bring a she-goat of the first year for a sin offering, and the priest shall make an atonement for the soul that sins ignorantly, when he sins by ignorance before Yahuwah, to make an atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. You shall have one Torah for him that sins through ignorance, ignorance, both for him that is born among the children of Yashrael and for the stranger that sojourns among them. Yah always wanted all people to serve him. That was his intention. Second Ezra 7, 19-24 And he said to me, You are not a better judge than Elohim or wiser than the Most High. Let many perish who are now living rather than the law or the Torah of Elohim which is set before them be disregarded. For Elohim strictly commanded those who came into the world when they came what they should do to live and what they should observe to avoid punishment. Nevertheless, they were not obedient and spoke against him. They devised for themselves vain thoughts and proposed to themselves wicked frauds. They even declared that the Most High does not exist and they ignored his ways. They scorned his law, his Torah, and denied his covenants and they have been unfaithful to his statutes and have not performed his works. It also says in the book of Jubilees, um, chapter 7 that Noah taught the law the Torah to all all of his sons and his grandsons Shem Ham Yafeth all nations he wanted all nations to serve him Numbers 15:30 but the soul that does aught presumptuously whether he be born in the land or a stranger the same reproaches Yahuwah that soul shall be cut off from among his people because he has despised the word of Yahuwah and has broken his commandment that soul shall be utterly cut off, his iniquity shall be upon him. And while the children of Yashrael were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Shabbat. And they found him gathering sticks, brought him unto Moshe and El Aharon, and unto all the assembly. And they put him in ward, or prison, because it was not declared what should be done to him. And Yahuwah said unto Moshe, The man shall be surely be put to death. All the assembly shall stone him with stones without the camp. And all the assembly brought him without the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. I want to pause there real quickly because <clears throat> we, we know the story of Messiah walking through uh, the field of grains and eating them on Shabbat. I want to read the, the Nazarene portion, which is Nazarene chapter 7, verses 30 through 31. 
at this time, because we see a stark difference. We see a man gathering sticks on the Shabbat. He's stoned, but we see Messiah and his disciples walking through a field on Shabbat, gathering food and eating it. And Messiah's like, this is totally cool. So that leaves us with like what, what happened. Uh, and we'll just read this and maybe we'll talk about it. At this time, Yahushua always kept some disciples with him when he walked about. And one Shabbat, he and two of them were following a small pathway leading past uncut corn ripening the husk, probably wheat, really. The disciples plucked a handful, for the Torah permitted them to do this, providing they did not enter the field or take any away, and, rubbing the ears between their fingers, ate the grains. This is definitely wheat. Three parashim, or Pharisees, were passing by, and they rebuked the disciples and said to Yahushua, Why do you allow your followers to do things not permitted on the Shabbat? Yehusha answered, Does the deed affect the day? Have you not read that when driven by hunger, David went into the house of Yahuwah and took the sanctified loaves to eat, sharing with his men, sharing them with his men? Though these loaves were reserved for the priestly fare, did he not justify himself by saying all produced by the earth were for the use of men? Surely the, surely the Shabbat was made for the sake of man, and not man for the sake of Shabbat. As man bows to the needs of life, so the Shabbat must bow to the needs of men. So I, I, I want to reflect on the this man you know, gathering these sticks. You know, what's the difference here? Uh, well, is this really necessity? Uh, is it possible that he was gathering these sticks to um, to start up a fire for him to work? Because a lot of the professions back then, requ- back then required fire. Um, so what's the difference here? You know, I, I like what Messiah says here as man bows to the needs of life. So the Shabbat must bow to the needs of men. Now I will say that, uh, when needs arise, uh, I, I believe that exceptions can be made, but I think, I think exceptions can also be abused. I think I, I really still believe that we should take Shabbat very seriously and that we shouldn't just be willy-nilly working on Shabbat. We should get done in six days what we need to get done on the seventh day should be rest. Now, y'all willing, I want to make a video soon of really digging into that word rest because I think we've most of us have been taught that that rest means just laying on the couch all day, snacking, napping, relaxing. Sure, that's nice, but I don't think that's the rest he's talking about because the Shabbat is a holy convocation. It is a public gathering of his people. Now, even if you don't have an assembly near you, just finding another family to assemble with just to join under someone else and to get together for this uh, amazing weekly festive occasion uh, i believe is is that rest he's talking about and he says even also he says really the rest he's talking about is his word it's in isaiah 28 uh, i don't remember the exact address um so to whom shall he teach uh, this is isaiah 28 9 to whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine he's gonna answer the question them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here little and there little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. It's his word. His word, his doctrine is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. What about you? Will you hear? So abiding in his word, coming together in his assembly, Hebrews 10, Hebrews 10, 20, I think it's Hebrews 10, 25 says, yeah, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. 
Now, I will tell you, you know, especially, you know, being in ministry and, and having feast days and having hundreds of people, it's like, you know, stuff comes up. And sometimes it's like, you know, especially if we're gathering together, it's like, well, if the trash can is full, we, we can't bag up the trash and throw it away, you know. It's like I've also asked, you know, you know, can we do some things like um, children have a dirty diaper, you know, can you not change it? Is that work? And so obviously there's we have to draw a line somewhere of where it just gets ridiculous because um, people have taken it way too far. Um, people talk a lot about the Dead Sea Scrolls and uh, I've been a lot more cautious about writings in there uh, of recent because, you know, looking at like the Damascus document, which was like the community rules book I and mean, then people people were transgressors for carrying for holding their baby on shabbat like this is how ridiculous it can get and then you look of course you look at judaism and all the extra burdensome laws that they've put on top of shabbat it just gets ridiculous and this is why i think messiah openly healed on shabbat which healing on shabbat was never uh, illegal or against torah uh, but he purposely did things on shabbat like he walked around he gathered grains to show people that I think the the all these burdensome extra rules on top of Shabbat needed to go. And so what does this come down to? If there is a need, I think some exceptions can be made, but the general rule of thumb I think should be, hey, don't be willy-nilly about Shabbat. Like let's say uh, let's say you're building a deck at your house and you know, Friday night comes up and it's like you're like, ah, you know, just two more hours and you're kind of working into Shabbat like that kind of stuff I think you just just cut off just stop right anyways there's a many there's many more examples but let's finish up last little section here is about the tassels or aka zitzit and Yahweh spoken to El Moshe saying speak unto the children of Yashrael and bid them that they make them zitzit in the borders of their garments throughout their generations and that they put upon zitzit which is a tassel or fringe on the borders of a garment of the borders, a riband of blue. Other translations say hyacinth. Maybe more like a indigo blue or like a blurple. And it shall be unto you a zitzit that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of Yahuwah and do them. And that you seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, which you used to go whoring. That you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your Elohim. So hang on a second. Wearing zitzit is all about remembering his commandments. You should be able to look down, and if you're not wearing zitzit, I'm going to show you what zitzit are in just a second. These are the, the kind of you know, fringes or strings that we wear from our pants. We should look at these and remind us of the commandments of the Most High and to be holy. Yahuwah is holy, set apart from the world. We need to be set apart. I am Yahweh Lahaikam, which brought you out of the land of Mitzrayim to be your Elohim. I am Yahweh Lahaikam. Some people have said uh, this is just for um, men, but it definitely talks about the children of Yashrael, which would denote men and women. Also, this is how we like we can easily recognize each other. You know, we live out here in Southwest Missouri, which there's a very large Torah community out here, so it's not uncommon. Almost every time I go to the grocery store, especially the um, uh, like the natural food markets, where there's you know organic better, better organic selections and stuff almost every time or costco almost every time like hey oh, they're like hey hey shalom howdy good to see y'all no um no really it's awesome and we it's awesome that we can spot out uh spot our brothers and sisters quickly um but also it should be a witness to people can be like what is that what are those like in your pants and i usually say oh yeah you, you know numbers 15 um 
tells the children of Israel to uh, to wear these forever. Um, I believe to be a to be a child of of, of Israel. Grafted in through the blood of Messiah. By the way, speaking of Messiah, Messiah actually uh, wore them. Did you know that? Let's read that. Let's read Matthew nine. Or here, let's just we're going to read the interlinear here. You'll see there's different versions. Then the one. Uh, I'm not read that version. I'll read the KJ Vizel. And behold, a woman which uh, which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. Well. If you look at the, the the words used there, it's actually touched the fringe of his cloak. Touched the fringe of his cloak, the fringe of his garment, the fringe or the tassel of his garment. So she actually reached out and grabbed his seat. So that brings up the other point. Well, we are supposed to we're supposed to walk like Messiah walked. First John two six says, and he says also Messiah says, pick up your cross and follow me. And to follow him, him means to do what he does. But First John two six says, he that uh, says he abides in him, in Messiah, ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. So if he walked around literally with seat seat, so am I. And this is a good cause. The only reason people don't put these on is because they think it might make them look weird. Cool. Great. If you don't have any seat seat, uh, we've got a sister, my one of my best friends, Jake Grant, the one I do music with. Uh, his wife, Sierra, makes them. Um, on every video, there's this uh, parable uh, ministry information link. Uh, this is just general information about the, the ministry. But if you scroll down, this is like our other, uh, like our backup channels, you know, podcasts. Um, but if you look right here, Zeet Seat, you just click this link here and you'll have an order form. If you want to order in Zeet Seat are these right here. And these hang from, you know, either belt loops or women. You can get safety pins and, uh, you know, pin these to your pants or, or, or dresses or whatever. Uh, men, you can loop these through your belt, ho uh, belt loops or you can get little uh, little hooks from like um, like Michael's or um, Hobby Lobby or whatever. And you can just, I, I like getting the hooks. I can just hook them on my belt loops. So it's just a quick on and off when I'm changing shorts and stuff like that. But uh, they're inexpensive. If you want to set up for it, it's 15 bucks. Um, if you want to upgrade to oh, oh yeah, there's an option of linen. Uh, you can upgrade. So it's like, so it's 15 bucks shipped for a regular set or 25 for a linen set. And then she's got other things like bracelets and don't order, don't order any of this stuff on Shabbat, please. Just want to show you that the, if you don't know how to make these also, if you're, if you're handy with you, if you're pretty handy with your hands, it's pretty wordy. Uh, just go on YouTube and like how to make, uh, how to make ZT and there's plenty of informational videos, but for people like me, uh, I just like uh, I like getting them from Sierra or my wife or um, Lily Rose makes some uh, amazing ones. Lily on Facebook uh, makes some amazing seat seat. Actually, I'll show you mine. Uh, she does an awesome job. She makes like this uh, DNA swirl thing. So this is what mine looks like. It's got this like this little swirl thing. And so really, the only thing about it um, is that. The only requirements is there needs to be a ribband of blue. I think it's assumed that that it's white, um, but really doesn't. That's just assumed. What was required is blue. The blue has to be in it. And again, some of the translations say hyacinth. And you know what's really interesting is kind of leading into next week's Torah portion. <laughs> the Aramaic tells us that um, that uh, we'll read it next week, but. The argument that started that started the whole Korah's rebellion was about Zitzit. It's funny. It's kind of funny. 
not funny. It's interesting. How about that? It's very interesting. So you'll see, and you'll, I mean, you can just see here the very next thing after the commanding of the Zitzit, it's like Korah was like, okay, I'm done. You've gone too far, Moshe. Um, here, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're going to uprise again. We're going to raise up, rise up against you. But anyways, with that being said, uh, that's the end of our tour portion. So, I um, I would recommend wearing Zeet seat. I do. Um, I think it is a, it is a requirement, but I think it's a blessing. Um, it's a witness tool and what it's really also for what it, uh, at the end of the day, what it's for, the core of what it's for is yeah, sometimes I'll just grab and hold Like a lot of times when I'm doing these studies, I'm like, a lot of times I have one in my hand, my left hand. I have my right hand on the on uh, the mouse, moving the words up and down. My other hand, my left hand is usually on my ZZ, just kind of just grabbing it. Um, I don't know. It's just just sharing a little bit about about me. But I enjoy wearing ZZ. Uh, I don't care if I look a little different. Matter of fact, I want to look a little different from the world. And this is a way. This is a small way we can be a little set apart. But if you're not wearing ZZ, I'd pray about it. I really would. I would find a way to make your own or or to get some. But. Um, don't do it because I said so, but do it because it says right here to do it. And it shall be unto you a Zit seat that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of Yahuwah and do them and that you seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, which you used to go whoring. So this also should remind you of, hey, where did I come from and where am I at now? And I never want to go back. Now, do we need a little string to tell us that? No, but Yahuwah said to do it, so I'm going to do it. Hallelujah. I'm going to trust him. Let's pray. Father Yahweh Most High, we trust you. We believe you. And we want to be called out of this world, Father. Help us to be conformed to your image, the image of your Son, Messiah Yahushua. Help us, Father, to walk in your commandments with a true heart, displaying the fruits of the Spirit, Father. And help us to learn your pure doctrine from above, the un unadulterated, the unleavened, pure doctrine from heaven. Father, please give it to us graciously. We want it. And we're asking that you give us wisdom liberally. And we're not asking with any double-mindedness in our hearts whatsoever. We look to you. We trust in you. And we bless you in Yahushua's name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hebrew Fest, three weeks. Come. Let's hang out. Let's listen to great music that praises the Most High. Come on, hang out with us. Camp out with us for a weekend. Come see, come see where we live. Come see our fellowship. Come see our people our community. Shalom. Blessings in the name of Yahusha. What are we going to do? Let's do a song. Let's do some songs you may hear at Hebrew Fest. Um, this is an old one. An oldie but a goodie. Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Sifting
Shit.
divinely returning. As dark waves start to grow The evening breezes turn Violent waters are now stirred Ships find their way To the bottom of a deep blue grave As those aboard believe That hope lies where they of those that sing the world does also sing we're safe here in our ship trust the boat and hold you bring. the lies are all around and truth is hardly found but burning this sailor's heart is the way of a set up Is my rock in salvation. I trust in his foundation. He's my anchor when I wrestle in the storm. He's my anchor. I rely on him more. He's my anchor. I should not be afraid. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. For surely. Salvation, trust in his foundation. 